welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with John DeCampos, founder and owner of Terrible Games LLC, a scrappy and visionary publishing house. John's newest title, Black Mold, a co-op till it's not, is currently on Kickstarter. John, welcome to The Binge. How you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great to have you, man. Great to have you. Uh, this is a pretty cool concept. I was doing some research on it earlier, and we're going to get into it in a moment. I don't want to yeah. jump the gun yet. Yep. Um, but first and foremost, um, how long have you been in this industry for? Um, officially, we entered the industry in 2020 when we ran our first campaign for a game called Token Terrors Battlegrounds. Okay. Um, and since then, uh, we delivered the act. Was that in 2020? Yeah. And we delivered that uh, in the summer last year. And then we did uh, a smaller project called Repugnant, the world's most disgusting TTRPG. And now we're here with our third release, Black Mold. Oh, wow. That's a lot in uh, like two years. Wow. You, you guys have been busy. Yeah. Um, you know, if anybody who maybe has gone through the... Uh, you know, gone through the process of taking a game from concept to, you know, final version and crowdfunded on Kickstarter. There was a lot of lead up time before our first Kickstarter. Yeah. We spent about five-ish years just kind of understanding the industry, um, you know, digging into what it's going to take for us to fund a project successfully. Um, and during that entire time, we were really just like getting our hands dirty in the design side of figuring out how Token Terrors was going to operate and work mechanically. So, we're, we've been we've been at this board game thing for about eight years, but officially in the industry as a maker of products for since 2020. I gotcha. And have you been board gaming your whole life, or is it something you've got into more recently, or how's your kind of gaming journey uh, progressed? Um, yeah. Uh, when when Catan first came out, you know, I I was part of that big wave of people who were kind of understanding that board games can be a little bit more than Monopoly and Connect Four. Um, and you know, that, that was a while ago now. Uh, but, um, yeah, after I got out of uh, high school, I started getting into Dungeons and Dragons and Magic the Gathering. And, uh, that's sort of where my hobbyist side sort of lived as far as tabletop went after we started researching, getting into Kickstarter and really ent entering the hobby in earnest. Um, I started backing Kickstarters myself to sort of understand the end to end process. And now I have, you know, I got a shelf of shame. I got a collection and all that good stuff. <laughs> For those who don't know, the shelf of shame is games that you've got, but you haven't played. Yep. <laughs> <Right>? Yeah. <laughs> yep. And uh, I think we've all got a couple of them. One thing I find is, uh, and I've had, I got a couple like this where I backed the game because I thought it was going to be simpler than it actually was. My wheelhouse is games that are, you can teach in like, you know, five, 10 minutes max. The game's going to play about 45 minutes to an hour. And, um, a pretty straightforward way to pick it up and this is the kind of game i take to my game night right so i've got a game night i go to every every week and everybody brings their different titles and i on my shelf of shame i've got a few titles where i had backed them and i had assumed that they were easier than they they were and then when i got into kind of the, the rules and the instructions is like whoa this is not only uh, going to take me longer than an hour to play so not really great for game night but I'm having trouble getting my head around exactly how to play this game. So they're on my list. I'll get to them eventually. But uh, yeah, we all have those those shelves of shame. So and did I read somewhere that you're a musician as well or? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a uh, I'm a performing musician. I have a number of bands that I've been oh. in over the years, but I've been doing it for a little under 20 years now. Um, I also am a co-founder and contributing member of the Baltimore Rock Opera Society, which 
um, writes and produces and performs all original rock operas here in Baltimore City. Um, so right now I have a band called Calabunga Pizza Time. Uh, I play guitar and sing in that and we do so sort of very uh, like positive uh, party punk metal kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, I'm also in a doom metal band called uh, Haze Mage where I play the drums. Um, and I got a, I got another side project actually cooking in the background called Blight Beast right now. That's a prog metal deathcore band that I also play guitar in. So, you know, I, I stay busy, but it's 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 kind of this is playing music has actually kind of become my like, quote unquote, hobby since board yeah. gaming is like my job kind of. <laughs> How many instruments do you play then? Just the, I, I just play guitar and drums. Um, but, you know, it keeps me busy. I like to I like to stay active in the scene here and get out to shows and have fun. And lead vocals or backup vocals? Backup vocals. I can hang on lead vocals if if I, I used to I used to front a band uh, for a little while, but um, I, I kind of like being uh, in the shed and doing a lot of the writing and, and like really collaborating, getting into the room with my with my good friends and writing stuff that we have fun playing that we enjoy doing, you know? Yeah. A lot of late nights, I guess. Um, no, nah, I got a seven year old at home, so I try to be <laughs> I try to I have a hard out at 10 o'clock. We usually practice during the week. <laughs> So in between, uh, so now your, your games is more your full-time gig and, yeah. uh, and that's more your hobby. Um, now is this something you're doing yourself or, or do you have a couple of people you're collaborating with, uh, for terrible games or how's the company kind of structured? Yeah. So, um, I have four partners. Uh, there's Phil Docolo, who is a co-designer. He helps me out with a lot of design choices. He's, he actually came up with a lot of the core mechanisms for black mold as well as token tears. Yeah. Um, my best friend, Lucas Jarachi is, uh, one of our developers and, um, he's also helped me cook up a couple games that we have sort of on the back burner that we're planning on releasing, uh, some years down the line. Uh, there's Shannon light Hadley who does a lot of our graphic design layout work. And then, um, my other partner, Tim Brocious, who does all of our media stuff. So he can 3d and animate he knows how to sculpt in ZBrush. he does film editing he does visual effects uh so we have a, a nice little crew um i'm really like the day-to-day kind of boots on the ground person mm -hmm. um you know i there's ways that we can sort of congeal a little bit more as, as a company but uh we're still sort of like getting getting our toes wet as it were and you're an artist as well i think i read somewhere too yeah yeah i do all the illustration for our, our releases oh, wow. so far and okay. that that's really like my full-time gig but at the moment because we're in the middle of a campaign I've kind of put my illustration stuff to the side for the moment. So I can kind of focus on getting black mold funded and, and staying okay. focused on, on this release. So were you doing like freelance? So with the company or were you like a freelancer or? Yep. Yeah, I do freelance. Okay. Uh, uh, and I've also had a, a ton of fun uh, working on some other board game titles as well. So um, if you're familiar with West Woodbury and fundamental games based out of I Canada, I did all of the illustration for their release Questeros. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. I backed yeah, that um, game actually. It should have it cool. coming soon. Yeah. Actually, oh, I think God. I actually already have it. It's on yeah, my yeah, show. Yeah, that should have yeah. arrived a while ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I gave it yeah. to my niece. She's into tarot. So when I was talking to Wes, I'm like, I got to get this for my niece because she loves tarot. So I did get it. I did a box opening and then I gave it, gifted it to her right away. So and she absolutely awesome. loves it. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Um, I got to work on a game called Micro Medusa around this time last year with a publisher named Floyd Liu. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, the, actually that side of it, you know, even if I if for whatever reason I decide to hang it up as a, as a publisher and maybe decide, you know, like, Hey, it's just a little too much at this point, or for whatever reason, I, I'm actually kind of looking forward to pivoting my skill set and my experience in the board game world to just kind of devoting myself to doing the art side of making yeah. board games. It's, that's I, I, get, I actually do get really excited. Part of the reason black mold exists is because like we had this idea for a concept and I just got like so enamored with the, the, the premise of the game and the world that I like, sat down and pumped out the art package in like 10 days. Oh, that's um, awesome. 
And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and I'll tell you, you know, from an indie publishing standpoint, especially talking to a lot of other creators out there, being able to work up your art package without spending any cash is, is a huge advantage for us. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm always thankful for that side of things. Yeah. It can get quite costly. We're going through this on one of our games right now. And, uh, you know, all I can say is you got to try to cut corners where you can and, and find savings where you can, but it's, it's not easy. Sometimes you got to get kind of creative, right? Oh, what, yeah. came, what came first was the mechanics of this game black mold or was it the theme? Um, the the title and the main mechanism of holding your breath to determine yeah i was gonna say yeah those two happened those two things happened at the same time um and uh yeah i I was uh i was watching a documentary about about board games called game masters on on netflix i don't know if you've ever seen it it's very good no i'm gonna Um, start watching it (laughs) yeah check it yeah it's it's a it's a one-part documentary it's a it's a film documentary um but uh somebody was talking about trying to create something that feels original something that feels novel uh, a designer was talking about doing that and uh, immediately I got hit this idea like holding your breath a game where you have to hold your breath it's called black mold and the idea of black mold like this this growing mycelium fungal invader that can harm you if you breathe it in all kind of made sense you know COVID was kind of going full blast when this idea came to me yeah I just got done playing last of us Two, which has like mushroom monsters in it so this idea of like a cramped corridor with like eldritch horror style mushroom creatures uh, kind of just like popped in my head and um, I called Phil and like I said he he ran with that core idea of holding your breath to determine length of your turn and came up with these mechanisms that when we got it to the table we just thought were like weirdly compelling and and cool and kind of transported you into this unfamiliar and kind of like unsettling mindset yeah it, it is super cool I was when I first saw the game I, I didn't pick up on that right away because it says you know as long as you can hold your breath and I, I thought you meant like metaphorically I didn't know you guys <laughs> actually meant literally yeah and uh, when I when I was kind of dove deeper into kind of my research on the game and I saw that no no you're actually holding your breath for the duration of your turn I thought wow what a cool what a cool mechanic I hadn't seen that anywhere before was this something like, have you seen this in another game or is this something you guys just came up with? Like, it's the first I've come across it. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I mean, like I said, the, the reason that it, that it struck me and I got excited about it is because yeah. I was like, there, this doesn't exist. Like this is a, this is a new thing. Um, I did actually talking to some other developers and people in the hobby find out that there is a game. So there's this one game, apparently it kind of works the same way, but you have to talk, like you have to make sound the entire time. And I don't think mm. it's actually a board game. I think it's like a schoolyard style game. Okay where you have to repeat this phrase over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And the moment you stop, like you're penalized somehow. Um, I think it's called howler or howling or something like that. Okay. Um, And then there's another game that I don't know the name of where it's a co-op game that involves like deep sea diving, where everyone at the table holds their breath at the same time. And you make forward progress, like down into the water until the last person can't hold their breath any farther. Um, (laughs) Which pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, I, I hadn't heard of that when we came up with the concept. And I mean, you yeah, know, it's first I heard I, it, yeah. I, yeah, I think for the way that our mechanism is like feeding atmosphere and feeding the mentality of being like slightly panicked, yeah. slightly, you know, confused, sort of making like not the smartest, like gut last minute decisions, like really quick choices. Uh, really does like feed into the experience that we're trying to provide with the game. Yeah. And I remember when I was, and the first thing that obviously popped into my head was, okay, well, what if I'm playing with someone that's got like, 
better lung capacity than I do. Right. And, yeah. and then, but you guys have addressed that as well. So you've got uh, a timer, right? So if someone yep. doesn't want to hold their breath, they're, they're afraid they're going to pass out at their table. Uh, <laughs> you guys have like a one minute timer. You can like a uh, sand timer. You guys can pass around and use that to kind of, you know, represent holding your breath. So to speak, yep. right? Yeah, we had this idea initially to maybe like print us like some lungs on the side of the sand timer to sort of like drive the whole theme home a little bit more. Um, but for the time being, you know, I, we've had a one reviewer that was just like, hey, you know, if you're not comfortable holding your breath, they got the sand timer. But let me tell you, holding your breath is way more fun. It's a lot oh, more, sure. you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we provide the sand timer and it is actually great. It's great for learning, too. If you're just sitting down at the game for the first time, you want to ask questions during your turn. The sand timer is awesome. And uh, we also have an expansion character called the Ghost that I won't spoil too much here because it is uh, it's going to be revealed a little bit later. But um, that particular character doesn't hold their breath at all because ghosts aren't alive. They don't have mm. to breathe. So the sand timer determines the length of their turn the whole time. Um so yeah, you know, and, and also uh, just quickly, if I could speak on this, because we've had a lot of questions about it, uh, the like the idea of passing out or anybody really being in any like physical danger from holding their breath voluntarily is like slim to none. Mm. Um, if you're not plugging your nose, if you're not like actually self asphyxiating, it is extremely difficult to actually cause any long term or any any relative damage from voluntarily holding your breath. And um, we also have some guardrails in the game as well. There are things mechanically that will limit the length of your turn, regardless of how much lung capacity you have or don't have. Um, so, you know, and all that stuff also just goes to feed atmosphere and flavor and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. I imagine playing this game over time, you would probably build up a larger lung capacity. I would, I would imagine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we play tested the heck out of this thing. We, we can't play it on TTS because of the almost, it's a nearly dexterity kind of game because of all mm. this sort of frenetic card management stuff that you're doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, there is a case to be made, uh, practicing holding your breath can increase lung capacity, which is good for your health. And yep. also in a really weird situation where maybe you need to not breathe because you're underwater, like in some sort of weird trapped in a car situation, or if there's a, a fire and there's a smoke in inhalation thing, possibly train and hold your breath could end up saving your life. So I don't know. <laughs> so there you uh, go. The black mold game just saved your life. I love could, it. it maybe, not too far of a stretch. <laughs> I, it, I think it is, but you know, we've, we've sort of had to like assure people in comments, you know, we, we ran a marketing campaign ahead of time. So we're yeah. getting a lot of comments from people that are, lack of a better term just kind of hyperbolic a little bit freaked out saying like this is a game that's going to maybe get someone killed or is going to hurt somebody sure and like we've looked into it and that's not the case it, it is really just about fun um but you know i think part of what we thought would maybe appeal to people in the board game hobby especially under the auspices of it being a survival horror game is that it maybe feels a little bit dangerous i don't know i i think that that's kind of fun personally that <laughs> i don't know if i'm alone in that <laughs> So let's talk about the campaign itself. I mean, you guys uh, have been off to a really good start. You're only a couple days in. You've already hit, uh, I'll put this in Canadian dollars because it's, uh, it's the only way I can see it. Uh, yep. You hit $23,500 so far. Um, well on the way to your goal. And uh, you still got uh, three weeks to go, which is just awesome. Can you walk us through kind of the basics of how to play this game or kind of the essence of how to play this game? Yeah, um, absolutely. So uh, at the beginning of the game, you're going to choose a prisoner that you're going to play as. Each one has uh, 16 core spaces that sort of encircle the character art on a big jumbo card. Um, these are called your vitality spaces. And on them is either going to be blank, which it just tracks your basic health, or there's going to be one of three symbols. There is wit, fit, and grit. 
These are going to determine your basic stats on how you defend an attack, um, if and when confusion cards are added to your decision deck. So anytime these are covered up by spore damage, you're going to take different penalties. So you start off at full health and you're going to degrade over time. You're really going to be mitigating that vitality track as you play and uh, traverse through the different dangers of the compound. Um, so you're going to have a randomly uh, generated escape deck, which is going to consist of 10 areas per floor, one floor per player. Um, as you flip these cards over, there's going to be two numbers on them. There's the traverse check and the search check. To search, you're going to roll dice uh, and accrue outcomes, sort of a Yahtzee-style accrue system, where as you roll, you're trying to meet this number on the cards. If it's three, you want three outcomes of grit. Once you get that, you can draw an item card. Um, and you can use items to trade with other prisoners. To uh, You can carry them to give yourself a higher attack score. And you can also craft them into more helpful items like torches and shivs and shrouds. Hmm. These are things that can give you high attack power. Uh, the torch is actually like a god mode item that's very difficult to make. But if you do it, you no longer have to hold your breath. You can move through three areas per turn. Uh, thralls, which are bad guys that are AI run that generate at random, you can just basically knock them down with the, with the torch. Um, but to, in order to traverse through areas, expand the compound and make your escape, what you're going to be doing is, uh, if, if the traverse check is like four, you're going to flip over, you're going to reveal four cards from your decision deck. And on them are these various sort of, you're, I, I got you on screen, so I can actually show you, uh, there's these different zigzagging like lines, like middles, tops, diagonals, and bottoms. And what you're going to do is you're going to be flipping them, rearranging them, deleting them, replacing them in order to make one continuous neural path. Um, once you do that, you'll reveal another card and keep going. And uh, this neural path thing is, I think, really cool, uh, especially when you cover up your wit symbols. You're going to add these dud confusion cards that are going to gunk up the gears, really mm -hmm. confuse you and kind of frustrate you a little bit. And um, the co-op till it's not nature of the game. And a lot of the table talk and player interaction, I think, is really what shines about Black Mold because uh, you're going to be negotiating. You're going to sort of be working with other players up into a certain point. Uh, now, if, if you really decide to be tight-knit and stick together, you can escape as a group and you can win as a group. However, different conditions, different things are going to make staying with the group and not being selfish kind of difficult. <laughs> so um, there is a little bit of betrayal. There's some light hidden roll stuff going on, but uh, the game is kind of, you're a spectator when it's not your turn. And when it is your turn, you're just trying to move as quickly as you can and just make good choices. So it can be kind of tense. Harrowing is a good term that I use for it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely like a horror survival um, sort of, sort of experience. Does everybody have to get to the exit or if one person gets to the exit, everybody wins. How's that? Yeah. If you want to, if you want to win, you need to escape. Um, if you okay. don't, if you, if you die, uh, so another thing that's, that's really kind of fun is like, we've had this happen a number of times in play tests where one player will sort of shun the other group because they see that they can make it out mm -hmm. and they leave or they excel, they excel beyond the rest of the group without actually leaving a compound. And what this does is that leaves another player behind in a situation where they take enough spore damage that they transform into a fungal thrall. So on the back of every character card, there's alternate artwork where they're now this mushroom zombie monster. Mm. And um, your win condition changes from escape to make sure the other players don't escape. Um, so, and it's not really so much a win condition as it is just like your modus operandi as of the point, you know, you're going to be enacting some spite since everybody else let you die. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, the, the way the win condition sort of shake out is like, if everybody escapes, great. If everybody escapes and you have more currency, which is this item you can draw called nugs, it's sort of a pearlescent 
mineral growth that comes okay. out of the mushrooms. Yeah. If you have the most of those, you win and everybody else is kind of a lesser winner. They don't really win as much as you. Um, but yeah, getting out of the compound is the win condition. Uh, that's at the top. <laughs> so someone will still, even if you all get out, then someone's still going to be the winner per se, because they've collected more of the nugs, I guess, than another person. Yeah. And if someone gets killed or gets turned into this, uh, this thrall, then they can try to take everybody down with them. Right. So why, yep. why should they go down with the ship? They'll, they'll just mm-hmm. take everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I love it. So it's co-op and then you're right till it's not. And then it's, yep. it's very much a versus, right? Mm-hmm. How long is the gameplay? Um, it runs about 30 to 40 minutes per player. So okay. at four players, you know, uh, more experienced players will kind of get through it. Uh, the idea is though, is like, at least our mentality is as long as people are sort of staying on top of starting and ending their turns uh, efficiently, the 40 to 60 seconds is the average people can hold their breath. Maybe pack another 15 or 20 seconds on either side of your turn to do the other things that you can do, which is interact with other players, uh, roll to heal, um, you know, craft and equip into ditch items. But the meat of your turn is going to be the inhale and exhale steps and everything that happens mm-hmm. in between. And that runs about a minute. So, you know, four minutes per round, uh, plus a little bit of extra stuff. So maybe six, you know, it, it runs around that time. Wow. They can they can get a bit long if players are sitting in one spot and sort of like unpacking the situation they're in, which definitely happens. <laughs> and when I look at the art style, this I mean, I think I've seen a couple pages do this, but not a lot where everything's monochromatic. Yep. Right. So the, the even the Kickstarter page, the artwork, everything monochromatic. What was the thought process behind that? And what were the pros and cons that you guys considered when putting that together? Um. So pros is doing full color artwork is really time consuming. Uh, that wasn't really front of mind when I decided to do a monochromatic art style. Uh, I am really into like alternative metal, uh, black metal, doom mm. metal, um, dungeon synth music. These all have a very spooky monochromatic sort of aesthetic. Um, and I wanted to sort of borrow a lot of that mood and impart it into black mold to give it really sort of a Gothic kind of spooky feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and have it sort of ring the same bell that you, you know, vis- visually that you would see on like a death metal album uh, with lots of like spiny tendril like sort of shapes and um, very stark white against black. And um, yeah, for the pros and cons, you know, uh, sort of talking to people in the community, we've had some comments that like, you know, there isn't enough color, so it doesn't really pop off the KS feed and stuff like that. But the whole game package is monochromatic. I'm not, (laughs) I'm not really sure like how I would have sort of like circumvented that in the Kickstarter feed versus what we're doing for final product. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I did, I did really sort of commit to it and uh, yeah, for better, for worse, you know, that's, that's what we got. And uh, some people love it. Some people don't, it's, you know, that's just how it is. Well, it's very thematic anyways. And it's, uh, it's on point with the brand. So I know I just found it interesting. It's a, uh, it, it definitely comes across as very, black moldy yeah. <laughs> if i could use yeah. uh, a a weird description um and then is there like stretch goals you guys have coming up or is there certain things that are going to be unlocked during this campaign or kind of what's the plans yeah um we have a couple things uh some of them are you know i mean i'm i'm sure some of your listeners sort of understand how the industry works a lot of times yeah. stretch goals are things that are sort of a cherry on the sunday kind of situation like they're not going to be the super uh financially like you know, stretching sort of things. There, there are things that, you know, we could option to do. Um, it's going to make the game cost a little bit more. So we have spot UV finish on the box, which is yeah. cool. Um, but, you know, totally not essential. There's a couple things that 
I would really love if we got to do. One of them is a envelope um, of five additional plot cards. So we have mm. this mechanism in the game called uh, the plot deck, where anytime you move into the an area for the first time, you're going to reveal one of these plot cards. And it's either going to be a madness card that you can by and large just ignore and continue your turn. Um, it'll be a thrall card, which will immediately end your turn and generate a thrall in the space, which happens in other parts of the game as well. And then you're going to get these plot cards, which are going to give you some story and flavor, some unique artwork, and then a series of choices or a resolving mechanic that's going to immediately take place. It also ends your turn. Um, this is this sort of speaks to the guardrail part of the mechanics that I was talking about earlier, where like these are things that like it doesn't matter if you're if you you can hold your breath for five minutes straight. Yeah. This this stuff will just end your turn. Um, so what we want to do is we want to include a new plot card that says when you draw this plot card, look for the hidden envelope and then draw a new plot card at random and resolve it. So mm. we want to have a black envelope that we're going to have the manufacturer. We're going to give them three hiding places that they can choose to pack this envelope in before they shrink wrap the game and send it and put it on a boat. Um, and players, the first time they uncover this card, which who knows how long they do it, this will be a light legacy feature where when they find it, they're going to have to actually go through the box and lift out the vacuum form trays and kind of poke oh, wow. around and see if they can find it. And then when they find it, they'll draw one of these new cards at random, resolve it, add it to the plot deck permanently, and then put, close the envelope and hide it somewhere else. That'd be cool. Um, yeah, thanks. Yeah, I, I, we think it's a really cool feature. And it is one of those things that like, if we just eke out funding, um, we might not be able to do it. But, you know, if we if we do a little bit over, it doesn't need to be a huge amount over. But if we do a little bit over, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to include stuff like that. What's one of the biggest things that uh, like you've been researching this, obviously, you said for eight years. Right. So what's the one thing or one of the one things that, that you guys decide to consciously do in this campaign going in that you've felt has really helped you kind of get to where you're at so far? Um, I think with this one, you know. We have a very supportive community of people in the creator sphere, as well as just like our community of artists here in Baltimore. Um, but generally speaking, you know, uh, I think I, I really do invest myself a lot in the world and uh, the visual package of what we do as a company. If you look at token terriers, if you look at anything that we put out, um, I really do try to flesh out the entire sort of world and, provide you with something that feels very like real like it it, mm -hmm. it it lives in the space that it inhabits um and uh you know i think that i think the people who who take a, a good look at the kind of products that we're pu putting out can see that they can see that i i really care about um about the way that the art is represented the way that it's executed and um yeah you know to be honest with you like the breath holding mechanic i I, I do think that especially for people who are kind of dyed in the wool hobbyists in the board game world, they're probably looking at that and they're probably going one or two ways. I can understand it can be kind of polarizing, but they're thinking like, that's absolutely insane or wow, how cool is that? That's really, really cool. Um, and either way, I'm kind of hoping that they come to look at the page just to see what the whole thing is about. Yeah. Well, personally, I think it's super cool. <laughs> so uh, so that's one of the things, the first things I saw that I'm like, wow, that, that, that's really neat. So like, you guys have done a couple games and uh, this is kind of the first real big, big one. Um, clearly you're not stopping now that this is kind of your full-time thing. So where do you go from here? Do you guys have another game you're already working on? that's going to come quickly on the heels of this or kind of what's the next steps? Yeah. Um, so I, I met this artist on Instagram named Brooke Pembrose, who's based mm. out of Australia. And this guy is a absolutely awesome illustrator. And he was posting these pictures of these cards um, and I messaged him was like, what are your plans? Like, I love the art. I think this is awesome. And for us as a company, sort of part of our mission statement is we want to 
release games that are uh, of the ilk of an artistic visionary. Mm. Um, you know, I would love to work with a big name designer and put my art on their game and release it under our brand. But for the time being, what I really like about what we're doing is we have two sort of working illustrators who want to like get into the world of tabletop games. And uh, on Volca, which is going to be our next release, I have done about a year and a half, two years of development with Brooke. Um, it's a it's a it's a, lo a lone quest and a two to five player like card battler. It's really quick little filler game. It's got damage tokens and this really neat uh, sort of um, like shelf system where things move in and out of back lines and different entry and exit effects sort of activate. Um, that'll be our next project in the spring. And then after that, we are going to really stay centrally focused on building up the expanded universe of Token Terror's Battlegrounds. Mm. We have like 30 plus seasons of factions planned for the ongoing future. So kind of pivoting off of doing two games that have nothing to do with our first release. I really want us to like hone in and start like really, really drilling in um, all of our focus uh, towards building the community and the interest in token terrors as an ongoing franchise. Oh, it sounds super exciting. Thank well, for you people so much. that want to follow this campaign, uh, they yeah. can uh, simply go to Kickstarter, type in Black Mold. You're going to find it easily. I'll also put a link in the show notes. Uh, certainly, people can just go there and click. It'll take them straight to the Kickstarter link. Either way, check out the page. There's a lot of cool stuff to look at on here. John, I want to wish you all the best on this campaign and this coming Thank year. Thank you. you. Thank you so care. much. Really appreciate you having me today. No worries. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time. Oh,